Easter Sunday is one of the four significant days in the life of the Christian uh, of Christianity. Uh, Easter Friday is one. That's Good Friday. There's four. Resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday, we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. That's another one. Uh, Christmas, of course, is another one. The birth of our Savior, where God became flesh, where He became a man. And then the fourth is Pentecost Sunday, which is where the church was birthed in the power of the Holy Spirit, those four key days in the life of the Christian calendar. And, and I, I need us to know this morning that you don't get Resurrection Sunday, you don't get Easter Sunday without Good Friday. They go hand in hand. Uh, Good Friday tends to be more of a solemn, reflective kind of days, but, but you, can't, you can't have one without the other. It's a bit like Batman and Robin. You just can't have one without the other. Come on, I'm helping you. It's like hot chips with no salt. You just can't have hot chips without, or chicken salt particularly. You know what I'm talking about. Not one uh, without, without the other. You can't sort of have the Broncos or St Kilda without disappointment. They just go hand in hand. I just, it's just, it's exactly what it is. It's the, it's the vibe of the whole thing. So they go together. Good Friday is a day of reflection. It's a day where we think about the unfathomable suffering of Jesus, God's only son who became one of us. Uh, we reflect on the torture, the horror, the humiliation and the pain that Jesus Christ went through. It's the, it's the pain that he went through so that we would not have to go through that pain. And I'm so glad he did. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad for Good Friday. Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 5 that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Good Friday was where God's pure, holy son took upon himself the punishment for every wrong, every sin and every mistake past present and future of all of humanity that's ever been and that will ever be. Jesus bore our sin in his body and he bore the punishment so that we would not be separated from God. We wouldn't have to pay the price for our own sin. Our response to Good Friday is always one of deep, deep gratitude. There's a holy awe that comes upon me as I reflect on Good Friday of all that Jesus did, all that he endured so that we could be forgiven. There's a godly sorrow that comes into my own heart for my sin, for my mistakes, for the people that I've hurt, for the things that I've said, the things that I've done that hurt others, and an ownership of my own sins, shortfalls, and mistakes so that out of that ownership I can accept the forgiveness and that you can accept the forgiveness that only comes through the precious, pure blood of Jesus Christ being shed for us. It's solemn, it's weighty, and it has gravity. That's why so much of the world stops across Easter on Good Friday to reflect on the sacrifice of the Son of God. But fortunately, that's not where the story ends. That's not the end of the story. I mean, it would be great if that was it. If I could have forgiveness of sin, if I could be the weight of sin and the, the gravity of, of all that I've done be taken off my shoulder, that would be good news. But I want to tell you, but wait, there's more. 
There was Friday, but Sunday was coming. Let's turn to the Bible in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 to 6. Matthew 28, verse 1 to 6. And I'm going to grab my mobile phone because my notes aren't updating here. It would be awesome. Just turn to your neighbor and say, chocolate's coming. All right, bear with me. We're turning to Matthew chapter 28. Here we go. Early on Sunday morning, that's us, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb where Jesus was buried. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. Easter Sunday, it's the most victorious day on the Christian calendar. In fact, the calendar of humanity, because on that day, our sins weren't just paid for, but Jesus won victory over death. There's an unexpected joy and delight and a message to every human being that we can triumph over a Adversity when we align our lives to the Son of God. Hope, even where everything is hopeless. And if you're here today, you're in Melbourne today, if you're watching online today, you're part of our service, and maybe you've got that sense of the shadow of death overwhelming your life, the shadow of disappointment, the shadow of discouragement, I want to tell you today, the message of Resurrection Sunday is it may feel like Friday and everything's done, but Sunday's coming. There is hope for miracles, for turnarounds, for breakthrough, for God's favour. Jesus came back to life ultimately so that we could be born again. We could have a new life, a spiritual awakening. We could have a fresh start, a fresh start. I love this. 1 Peter is a, a message written by Peter in the gospel, uh, in, the, in the Bible, and he says this, What a God we have. And how fortunate we are to have him, the father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. Paraphrase that. We've been given a fresh start and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven and the future starts now, I know for some people here today, the beginning of the rest of your life with a whole new sense of hope that's maybe faded or dimmed out in your heart is beginning here today when you understand the meaning of Resurrection Sunday, a brand new life and a fresh start. As I was reflecting on this verse this week, as I, as I was reading through the stories, both of Jesus' death and of his resurrection, uh, particularly this verse stood out to me. 
It says the women in Luke 24, the women were terrified. When they came to look for Jesus, you can imagine that you'd be freaked out if an angel just had rocked up, that there'd been an earthquake, all the guards were looked like they were dead on the ground, and you'd come, they'd actually come to anoint his body with anointing, uh, with anointing spices and oils, and suddenly the stone, which is massive, has been rolled away. They're freaking out, they're terrified. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the angel asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Why are you looking among the dead? You're looking in the wrong place for the answer that you need in your life. You're looking in the wrong place. It stuck out to me. And I began to think about that very part of the resurrection. I began to think about what it means for people to be looking for Jesus, but maybe not knowing that we're looking for Jesus. And looking in all the wrong places. The first thing I want us to be aware of, and for those of you who maybe you, maybe you grew up in church, but you've been away from a lot for a long time. Or maybe you've never really had any sense of a taste of Christianity. Maybe you've seen it at a distance. Maybe you've had enough of a taste that was a bad taste in your mouth and you've spat out God because of a church experience. And for those of you who have had a bad church experience, uh, we heard a story on Friday from Deb here, and she told us about her experience of church was about rules. And she needed to understand that, that really church shouldn't be primarily about rules. It should be about relationship and the love of God with you and I as its primary focus. And maybe your experience of church has been a damaging one a negative one, a difficult one. And if that's the case, I want to say on behalf of the church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the pain. I'm sorry where God's been misrepresented to you. I'm sorry where people have, have, have not represented Jesus the way that Jesus really is. And I want you to know that if you really know Jesus, and this is the church's job to represent Him well, we, we don't get it right all the time because we're imperfect. But if someone's misrepresented him, I want you to know today that Jesus, he loves you. He's for you. He's paid the price of his life for you. And there can be, maybe today's the day where you can go, all right, I'm going to have a fresh start just in my thinking about church and my thinking about God and go again. Because this is what I know. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It's unfathomable how incredible God is, but I love that expression. God has set eternity in your heart and in my heart. He's, he's placed this sense of longing and need and eternal well-being. It, it's there in our heart. Now, it might be buried in our heart. It might be pushed away in our heart. But inside every one of us, there's this desire, there's this urge. That, uh, Billy Graham called it this. There's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every person. And so you've got eternity in your heart. And you're looking, and whether you know it or not, all of us are looking for a connection with God. And I was thinking about this, and randomly I began to think about homing pigeons. I know, stay with me, right? Stay with me. Anyone here got a homing pigeon? Got any pigeon fans in the house? Rats of the air? No? Okay, all good. 
And I, was, I, was, I, just, I began to study. Okay, you'll see where this is going. Stay with me. I began to study homing pigeons. Uh, homing pigeons can, get this, be taken without knowing where they're going, in a box, blindfolded, in a cage. They can be taken up to, well, not blindfolded. That'd be weird. <laughs> just testing you, buddy. They can be taken 800 kilometers away from their home. 800 kilometers, any, you know, zigzagging, all around, and they can find their way home. This would be like my beautiful daughter and Gemma, who's, uh, who's in Melbourne watching right now, releasing a pigeon, not her. <laughs> releasing a pigeon, come home, sweetie, I miss you. <laughs> releasing a pigeon that had been brought up in our home, and it would know, and it would be able to find its way home. Okay, that's, that's what it would be like. Okay, it's just, it could just get there. They were used, they can fly up to 95 kilometers an hour. That's awesome. Going down the Nicklin Way, you could be passed by a homing pigeon. <laughs> well, some of you couldn't. I know how some of you go on that road, but apart from that, Melbourne, the Nicklin Way is just a major drag we've got here on the sunny coast. And so this is what they were used extensively in World War I and World War II for messages. I began to read of these stories. I got a little bit carried away. I began to read these stories of, of homing pigeons who got uh, medals of valor for their achievements in World War I. They were given numbers. Here's number 498, pigeon number 498. Skipper Thomas Cripp sent for help. His boat was attacked by a German U-boat in August 1917. Sent a homing pigeon away. He, the, the captain died, but the bird got the message and the, the whole ship and crew were saved. Time, it, it, got, uh, it, it got shot in the, in the wing on its way. There's all these stories of amazing birds because they could just fly home. And scientists don't really know how it works. There's theories. There's theories that it's to do with uh, uh, um, an inner compass that's connected to the sun. There's others that it's magnetic fields or low-frequency infrasounds that they help them find their way home. All, all sorts of theories, but no one knows. There's, there's just this thing inside of it that draws it home. Eternity is in the heart of every human being. There's something on the inside of us that's drawing us to the relationship with God that we were designed for. And so sometimes, some of you have felt it today. You've walked into church. You're singing songs about Jesus. And while there may be some discomfort and some unusualness to it, or maybe you're sitting beside someone who's awesome or weird. But aside from that, not here, they're all awesome. Yeah, don't put your hand up right now. You know who you are. But you're, you're in this place, but something in your heart tells you you're home. You're where you should be because there's a connection to God. You were created for a relationship with God and nothing else will fill that gap, that space in your heart. You've got a, you've got a homing pigeon detection to eternity in your heart. That's the first thing I want us to know. So then this is what happens. The angel says, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? Because often we've got this sense of eternity. 
this sense of purpose for our lives, this sense that my life is supposed to be more than Monday to Friday, going to work and, and then the weekend and, and, you know, saving money and buying a house and having a car and two and a half kids and, all this, and living, you know, going overseas for holidays and then retiring and one day dying. You're like, in your heart, come on somebody, you've got a greater sense that there's got to be more, there's got to be significance. It's there. But here's the problem. So many of us are looking in the wrong place. We're looking for life in a place of death. We're looking for Jesus that our heart knows we want to be connected to. It's intuitive. It's inbuilt. It's in your creative DNA. But we're looking in the wrong places. We look all over the place. We look, you know, it's just, it's kind of a little bit like human nature. It's a little bit like me when I was 21 looking for a wife. And I used to go to different churches looking for a wife. And my, my brother's little sister was here in this church, in my youth group that I was leading. And I was looking, I would drive to Brisbane looking for the girls. My, what did I say? My best friend's little sister. What did I say? My brother's little sister. That'd be really weird. We're not that kind of church. Just to be really clear. Just, just... Just stop that, all right? Just stop that. My best friend's little sister, who I was unrelated to, just to be clear. And we would drive to Brisbane, to this church, and look around and come home. And then one day, the scales fell off my eyes because what I was looking for in the wrong places was right here beside me. And so many people are looking for what only God can provide in the wrong places. Looking for the sense of fulfillment or joy or that, that, that thing that comes from God, looking for it in pleasure. I'll, I'll just chase pleasure. And Solomon, the wisest king, talks about this in Ecclesiastes. I'll just chase after these things and hopefully that will fulfill me. Hopefully that, that amazing holiday of a lifetime will make me happy. Well, it, it was, I was happy for a few weeks and then same thing was there. Some sort of pleasure, some sort of escape. For some people, it's possessions. If I, if I can get this, if I can own this, if I can have this net worth, if I can, uh, if I can climb the top of this ladder, and I'll, surely that will fulfill me. No, no, no. You're looking for life in the wrong places. Other people, it's, it's performance. If I, if I could only be the top of this sphere of society, if I can only make that sporting team, if I can only get that promotion, if I, I can only start that business, if I can only become financially independent, if I can only marry that person, if I can only do this, then surely I'll be fulfilled. Now, in and of themselves, all of those things, pleasure is awesome. God created us to have fun and enjoy life. Possessions, no, nothing wrong with having possessions if they don't own you, they don't control you. And, and, and performing well and achieving and being successful is part of the way God's wired us. In and of themselves, all of those things are great. But they will not fulfill the desire of eternity that's in your heart, that you have a homing device to find eternity and you won't be satisfied until you will. They won't fulfill those things. So don't look for life in the places of death. Jesus is not in those things. 
Jesus is resurrected. He's alive. I love 2 Samuel 14, verse 14. It says, all of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But get this. I love this, Melbourne. Get this. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, He devises ways to bring us back when we've been separated from Him. He devises ways. You might be sitting beside one of those ways today. It's no accident that your friends were that person and they've invited you to church. That was one of God's ways to connect him to himself. You're like, oh, I just happened to see the sign. I just happened to drive by the building in New Street. I just happened to see that, that thing come up on Instagram or Facebook. I'm like, no, these are the ways that God uses to draw us back to him. I just happened to wake up yesterday morning thinking I should take my kids to church because it's Easter tomorrow. I'm like, that's not a random thought. That's God putting the seeds of His hope into your heart that's, bore, that's birthed with eternity on the inside. So if I've got eternity in the heart and you've got eternity in our heart and I realize that I can't find it in the wrong places, I've got to find it in Jesus, I want you to know that the exciting news of Easter Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday, is that because Jesus rose from the dead, we can be born again. We can have the life that our heart desires for. You're created for eternal life. That's not just life after you die. That's a type of life. The Greek word is zoe. There's a, there's a life that comes on the inside of you and I. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life is has begun. This is, this is what Jesus did when He died on the cross. He gave us access to a new life. Now, this is why you've got to pair Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Because if it was just Good Friday, it would be awesome, I'm forgiven. Awesome, I'm, I, I don't have to pay the penalty for my sin. Awesome, that, that's good news. So now I'm going to try really hard to be a different person if it was just Good Friday. Now, I'll really try not to swear anymore. I know I shouldn't. I know I'm forgiven, but now I'm going to try and be better. I'm going to try and love my enemies. You know how long that lasts if you try on your own ability? Not very long. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to say those things. I'm not going to think those thoughts. I'm not going to, I'm, I've, I've realized that I've been wrong, and, and I'm grateful that Jesus' blood cleanses me. And so now I'm just going to grit my teeth and try really hard to do better. That would be if it was just Easter Friday. But Easter Sunday is the message that not only can you be forgiven, but you can become brand new. You can become born again. You can become a spiritual, spiritually reborn person. Someone who goes from looking, you know, I'm not talking about a physical externals, although often it's amazing how the physical changes when the inner person changes. But I'm, not, I'm talking about an inward change that's, that's a miracle going from this to this in the moment of asking Christ to come into our lives. 
It's the most amazing miracle. Probably the, the closest thing I can think of that relates, that, that, that's a picture of what happens. And this is another random thing that I've studied. Again, bear with me, random thing. Uh, this is, this is what, what, there's a study at the moment. It's not a science, it's not a fact, it's not proven, but it's called a study of cellular, cellular memory. And it goes with transplanting of major organs when someone receives a major organ in a transplant. And, and what happens, and there's books and stories, and they're anecdotal of people who, who there's one story I read about a lady who, who was not artistic or creative at all, woke up and had a heart transplant and suddenly became an incredible artist. And they're like, how did that happen? They found out that the person who'd given their heart as an organ donation was an incredible artist. I've heard of people suddenly who had no handyman skills becoming brilliant at, with handyman skills. People who would listen to a song they'd never heard and start singing along and crying. Finding out later that it was the favorite song of the person who donated their, uh, some of their organs. People who have woken up uh, with cravings for chicken nuggets. I read about one person who woke up with cravings for burger rings. Get it, right? I reckon if someone gets my organs, they're going to wake up uh, and they're going to like, give me some cheesels. I want cheesels. Uh, they'll be yelling at the TV, go the mighty blues. That'll be amazing. And then suddenly they'll be awesome at table tennis. That's, that's just what I think is going to be happening. Just, just if you find anyway. They get new skills. New abilities, new desires, new appetites. And so many people say, I don't think I could be a Christian because I've got these sinful, they don't call them sinful, but these controlling appetites that pull me in a direction and I've tried to stop. I've tried to turn over a new leaf, but I just keep doing the same things over and over again. So why would I go to church? Because I couldn't become like those holy rollers. I know some Christians and they're really lovely people and they're nice to everybody. I just couldn't be that. Here's the good news of Resurrection Sunday. You don't have to be that. When you put your faith in Jesus, you literally become born again. God's DNA comes on the inside of you. It's a miracle. And like we heard here on the coast about Shorty giving his heart to Christ, overnight he's transformed in multiple ways miraculously. Why? Because when you get Jesus, the life, the resurrection life of Jesus, you get new appetites, you get new desires, you get new spiritual abilities. The Bible calls them gifts. You get transformed. That's why so many people watch and they're like, oh, my friend started going to that church. I'm a bit worried about them. Is it a cult or are they a wacko? What's going to happen? I'll watch for three or four months. It's like, hmm, they seem happier. I've been trying to get them to come back and party and come back and do that stuff. And they're, they're, still, they're still there. In fact, they keep telling me how, they keep talking about this guy, Jesus, as if he's a real person. And there's this peace about them and there's this joy about them. And, and that, their life's not perfect, but there's something, and the kind of four months, five months, like I'm waiting for you to go back, go back to the old you. Not going back to the old you because I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. Let me read that scripture again. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life 
has begun. They didn't turn over a new leaf. They didn't make a New Year's resolution. They didn't try to become a better person. They became a new person because when Jesus was raised from the dead as a new person, he was the first of a great harvest of those who would follow, who would become new people. Born again, transformed a fresh start. And so this is what we're going to do right now. I want us to close our eyes. Melbourne, those of you watching online in this room right now, I want us to close our eyes. And we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to come into this place. In a few moments, I'll hand you back Melbourne to Dan Frecker. Not yet, but I want to pray for us all. Just close your eyes. Phones away. Distractions away. Father, I thank you today for your incredible love for us. I thank you for the message of Easter, that you love us, that you paid a price for our sin so that we could be cleansed and forgiven and we could have a fresh start and be born again. When we're born again, everything that's you comes into our heart, joy, peace, love, it's supernatural. So I'm praying today for people in this room, in our Melbourne location, and watching online who are not walking with you. Move on their heart right now. Let today be the day where everything changes. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Melbourne, I want to hand you back to uh, Dan Frecker down there. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. Church, for those of us in this room, I want to do what Danielle said we'd do at the end of this service. For those of you who are still online, st hang in here for a few moments. I want to lead us in a prayer today, a prayer that for some people could be life-changing. For some people could be transforming. I like could just change everything for you. And so if this, is, if this is you, what we're going to do in a few moments, I'm going to lead us in a prayer and we're all going to pray this prayer together. It's a prayer of asking for forgiveness. It's a prayer of putting our faith in Jesus as the Saviour who paid the price for our sin. And it's a prayer inviting God to come into our heart to begin a new relationship with Him. So what I'll do in a few moments, I'm going to ask if you'd like to pray that prayer for the first time or because you want to come back to God and you're away from Him, or because you're just not sure if when you die you're going to go to heaven, I'm going to ask you in a moment while all the eyes are closed to raise your hand up in your seat, acknowledging that you want to begin a relationship with God, that you want a fresh start, that you want to come back to Him. In a moment, I'll ask us to do that. And then I'll just, I'll just acknowledge, I'll say, hey, thanks, I see your hand, you can put it down. Again, you can stay in your seat. And in a few minutes after that, we're all going to pray a prayer together. This prayer, let me warn you, it's powerful. If you mean it with your heart, everything will change because you'll become a new person on the inside. And I've seen this happen time and time again. Can we close our eyes right now? So if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God and you know something's missing in your life, 
And you're gonna, you, you, today you want to pray that prayer. In a moment, I want to include you in this prayer. You, you might have grown up in church or not. You might have gone to youth group or not. You, you might have always just been a good person. But you've never taken the step to have that relationship with God, to surrender your life over to Him. In a moment, I want you to raise your hand if you've never. Today might be your first day in a church or in a church like this. In a moment, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Second kind of person I'm talking to right now, you might have been raised in church. And at some point you prayed a prayer like this. But you've drifted away from God. You got busy. Maybe you got hurt. Maybe you got distracted. You didn't necessarily stop believing that God's real. But you know you're not in a current relationship alive with Him. He's not first in your life. He's sort of somewhere out there, but He's not first. Today, you know you need to get right with Christ again. In a moment, that, uh, that group of people, you need to come back to God because you're backslidden. I want you in a moment to raise your hand. Or third, there's a third kind of person in the room. And maybe you're here today, you believe in God, you believe He's real. You're just not sure that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. And you hope you are, but you're just not sure about it. And that means a bit of anxiety or fear ultimately about, it, about life after death. And today I want to tell you, it's good that you believe in God and it's good that you're a good person, but neither of those things get you to heaven. If that got you to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross, but He did so we could be forgiven. So if you're unsure about your eternity and you want to be sure, in a moment I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to count to three in a moment. When I get to three, if you're in one of those groups of three, I want you just to shoot your hand up in the air and then I'll lead us all together in a prayer once I've acknowledged your hand. So we're ready to go. So I'm counting to three. One, whether you want to come back to Christ, you want to be sure you're going to heaven or you want to begin a new relationship with Christ. Two, be ready to make a courageous moment. It'll, be ch it'll change everything. Three, would you just raise your hand up and say, that's me. Awesome, thank you. I see your hand there up the back. I see your hand. That's awesome. Over here, mate, I see your hand in the second row. Fantastic. Who else right now? Would you just raise your hand as well? Say, this is me. I want to get right with God today. I want to begin that relationship you're talking about. Come on, there's some more people I know. God's knocking on your heart right now. It's time for you to reconnect with Him. If that's you, raise your hand up real high. Join with these three. For those of you who are watching online, I want you in your heart just to make sure you're right. You can raise your hand in the room, wherever you are. You can pray this prayer with us in just a few moments. I'm looking across the room again. I know in a moment like this, our hearts can move slow, but our heads are fast and our head can be, our mind can be just saying all the reasons that I don't need to do this, all the, all the excuses of why I shouldn't do this. But our heart, remember eternity is in our heart, and there's this draw and pull to God in our heart for this moment right now. So I want to encourage you. Have the courage to respond to God who's knocking on your heart right now. One more time, I'm going to look across the room. And if you want to connect with God today, come back to Him. Would you raise your hand up real high as well? Say, that's me. Just raise it up real high. Say, John, would you include me in this prayer? I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. Wherever you are, raise it up high right now. This is your moment. This is your moment. Thank you, Jesus. You're touching hearts, touching lives. Awesome. All right, we're going to pray this prayer together. I want you to pray along with me, every person. For those of you who raised your hand, this is your moment. 
your moment to get right with God. Can you say these words after me all together? Dear God in heaven, join with us online. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you love me. I thank you Jesus died on a cross for my sin. And I'm turning to you today to put my faith in you. I'm turning from my sin to follow you. Forgive me and cleanse me. I'm sorry. I renounce the devil and all his works. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank you today that you forgive me, cleanse me, that I'm born again and going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together. For everybody who raised your hand, God bless you. Wonderful, wonderful moment. Uh, for those of you who raised your hand, I want to just say this. We'd love to invite you to just keep coming along to church. It's so important to be in church, to connect with God, uh, to connect with others, to help you in your journey. We have a course we called Alpha. Love you to do it. It's just really, it's six weeks. It just explains the basics of Christianity. You might be here today and you're not quite ready to surrender your life to God, but you can feel something stirring in your heart. Uh, Alpha would be a great course for you to do as well uh, in, in your step towards God. Or just keep coming to church. In fact,